0: Oh, it's actually...
1: And APB, American Protection Bureau, voted number one best on Long Island for all your security needs. Call 631 390 9050. That's 631 390 9050. APB. You need a body shop? You need engine repair? Auto
2: Excellence. Collision Specialists. 631 261. 6420. That's 631-261-6420. Auto Excellence. Jimmy, I gotta take a dump. What?
1: No, I mean, I need a dumpster. Well, for all those needs, you need to call Big V Dumpster Rental, Long Island, New York, 631-900-Dump. Elm Logistics, for all your logistic needs, call 631-299-3595, that's 631-299-3595, Elm Global Logistics, Pride, Performance, and Partnerships. The Monty and the Pharaoh Show is brought to you by, because wine is your second
2: favorite four-letter word. California wine, New York attitude. Good fucking wine.
1: Yeah. Tired of that same old, same old breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Same old tasting scrambled eggs, burger, that dinner steak, ribs, or pork chops? Why not add a little bit of spice or just a touch of heat to make the difference? Change that scrambled egg with a little bit of Johnny Fabulous's John Cena Senior's Million Dollar Jalapeno Hot Sauce. Great on burgers, steaks, chops, and those barbecued ribs. And Nitro's Garage, for all your automotive needs, call 646-675-2349. That's 646-675-2349. For all your automotive needs, Nitro's Garage, ask for Jack.
0: Do you treat your dog as part of the family? (laughs) Well, so do we. So why not celebrate your pup's birthday with the ultimate party box? Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PartyPupInfo, and let us make your pup's party or any celebration perfection.
1: M&J Video Games and Collectibles. Sport and non-sport cards, wrestling items, autographed items. We buy, sell, and trade. M&J Video Games and Collectibles, located at 1049 Queen Street, Southington, Connecticut, Call us at 1-860-479-9223 or 860-93-GAMES, MJ j Video Games and Collectibles.
3: Ho, everybody, Everybody. welcome to another edition of this week's Wrestling Remembered and the show that takes you back to the glory days of pro wrestling and, you know, not as much controversial as controversy as there is this year, uh, this time around, but uh, what a week in wrestling, I got to tell you, though. I'm your host and moderator for today's show, Joe, what a day, Lowry, and I'm joined as always by my esteemed colleagues here. Uh, First up, let's go to Round the Horn. We have the president of Thursday Nights, the incomparable Mr. Phil DeCesare. Phil, welcome. Thank
4: you. Wrestling fans around the corner and around the world, as Seamus might say, what's the crack? How you doing?
3: (laughs) Great, great, great to have you. Moving around the dial. Next up, he is the brother from another mother. He is the resident poet laureate, as I like to call him. Let's welcome the player, Mr. Benny Scala. Welcome, player. The
2: Thursday night delight, straight out of Playville.
3: <laughs> there you go. There you go. Next up, you know, you might see, you might, you might catch this guy playing snake eyes out back for a measly buck, but you know him as the referee of the 30 and the moderator. Let's give it up for ESO Bruce. What's happening?
0: What's going on, guys? Just remember, points are always in play. So you better watch <laughs> out and be on your best behavior.
3: As demonstrated last night. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, um, a lot of good stuff. Welcome to the show, guys. As you know, I did go to high school at Missy Beefcake, so I just want to get that out there. That's my Come, on. Name. Come on! There, Come on! Where is he? Where is he? <laughs> you know, so this week's topic, it's a great one. Pro wrestling managers, greatest managers. We either loved them or we hated them, but one thing always stood out about them is that they could always talk on the microphone. You know, some were former wrestlers. Some, uh, that way they could take that bump. I know a couple of them that used to take the bumps in and outside the ring. Some were just great character actors who uh, just kind of fit right in with everybody. But, um, you know, they could sell their protege with a single sentence, all the good stuff. Now, obviously, we're talking greatest managerials. If we talked the entire list, we'd be here till next week. So we're going to try and narrow it down to 60s, 70s, and 80s. If we can touch upon later on, we will. But after all, this is wrestling remembered, and we want to go back to the the glory is of pro wrestling and all that stuff. We want to welcome everybody in the chat. Thank you for tuning in. I think I saw the boss. Bonnie was in there as well. Maria, Beth, everybody, Will, Foxhole, Willie, everybody. Kicks, they're all there. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, do us a favor while you're at it. Hit the share button, subscribe, like like us. You know, we, invite your friends too. Yeah, invite Jeez. your friends. You know, we're here. We're here. So. Anyways, all right, guys. Who wants to kick it off? You know, let's 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 go back to yonder yesteryear. Um, Benny, you had forwarded me an article you did for Pro Wrestling Stories uh, a little while back, which emphasized on these three right here: uh, Bobby Davis, Wild Red Berry, and Homer Adele. What can you tell us about these guys? Because this is way well, before I mean, my time.
2: So I became a fan in 1968. These guys were the managers in the World Wide Wrestling Federation. Um, I want to tell a quick. Story about Bobby Davis. He was the first manager that I ever saw. Um, And he managed at that time a gentleman, I think his real name was John Quinn, but he wrestled in the WWW as Virgil the Kentucky Butcher. And um, so, you know, the the usual formula, so that, you know, that Butcher goes through the prelim, guys. Now on TV, he wrestles Arnold Skolin, who's Bruno's manager. And so uh, I think he. Butcher's finishing hole was the pile driver, which he called the whammy. Really? So he, he, he was the So <laughs> he gives the whammy. He gives the whammy to skull. It sounds like, a, like something the good humor man would have. You know? <laughs> Try this whammy. Um yeah. <laughs> he gave Skolin the whammy, you know, and then as Skolin is being carried out in a, on a stretcher, both uh Davis and Butcher up the stretcher and skull I mean he was still in the ring. I mean, literally flew over the top rope uh and landed on the concrete floor and then the next week uh Ray Morgan who was the announcer back then I mean some of the older people might remember him great announcer always had the coffee and the black black coffee and the cigarette burning um, <laughs> yeah. but Ray Morgan said okay fans uh, uh gave the address of White Plains Hospital to send uh, postcards and letters oh, to uh to honor skull and it's really funny because we had Davey O'Hannon uh, on our pod, Dan and Benny in the ring one time, and he said, oh, yeah. "You know what? I sent a letter to White Plains Hospital for uh, for Arnold Scull." And so, I mean, that's the impact of these managers. And of course, that the Garden was a sellout oh, for yeah. uh, Bruno and the Butcher, and that's what the manager did. The manager got enough heat, where you know it, it, that the, the the ultimate goal was that that Madison Square Garden match with Bruno, unless. Yeah. Uh, for the championship, and it was, almost always was a sellout. The other two guys were great too. Homer O'Dell was not in, in. He uh, he managed um, he Bull. Looks Ramos. like a
3: post World War II Nazi or
2: something like that. What was that all about? That was uh, I think he did that gimmick in the Mid Atlantic, maybe almost, or uh, almost like a Sergeant Schultz type thing. Yeah, he didn't do that. He managed Bull Ramos uh, very Bull briefly, Ramos. and uh, yeah, and uh, Bull again. Bull and Bruno opened the new Madison Square Garden, I think, in nineteen sixty-eight. Yeah, Bruno won yeah. with the backbreaker and they, they they were both gone after that. And Homer O'Dell went, to, I think, that went to mid-Atlantic. While Red Berry was a mainstay for years, uh, before he was a manager, he was a a, a great junior heavyweight champion, NWA. I think he held it like four yeah. or five times. Great talker, always wore the 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 hat the, you know the the yeah. the uh the Rodney Danger. Oh, looks good on you, hat. And uh but managed he managed monsoon, I think. After Davis, he managed Hans Mortier. It was a great German
3: heel. Now, Benny, uh, I was, obviously, I don't mean to interrupt you, but obviously I wasn't around back then. Were these guys active on TV as well back in the yes. day? Were they I mean, okay.
2: active as far as like as far
3: as far inter- intervening in the matches? or oh, No, just being uh, – did you see him every week on TV? Oh, yeah. I mean, there was – the,
2: you know, they had the, the ringside – it was the ringside interviews with Ray Morgan and okay. any of the heels. And even with uh, early Vince McMahon, same thing. You always had the, the heel and you had the manager. Right. It's it, it was very formulaic.
4: And wow. and to piggyback on Joe's question, Benny, did the managers back then make it to the house shows, or were they just strictly TV yeah. pre, uh, uh, presence on TV? You know, that, that's
2: a really good question. I would say probably not. Now I will say, I remember back in the day, like the Wizard or Albano, yeah. uh, whoever Bruno was facing, yeah. they would walk to to the ring with their you know their their charge. But once the uh you know once the bell rang, they actually yeah. left. Yeah. yeah we were not see, was, there was you would not see like an albano or a blassie like in the in the seventies, you would yeah. not see them interfere in a match.
3: Every rare at the garden, Phil, growing up, did we see these guys? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of the yeah. TV Captain yeah. Oh yeah, the triumphant the very three wise men, there. the, three, yeah, wise
4: the three, three wise men wise of the east. Yeah. Yeah. And
3: very rare did you see these guys in Boston. If you did. Um, it was a special attraction because I think I, I can count on one hand of the ten years that I went to all the garden matches. I, I think I've only saw Blasi and Albano once.
4: Yeah, and the I Wizard. Never, never I made. never
3: saw the Grand Wizard. I never saw him. Yeah, you know. I yeah, mean, I, I don't
4: like, think he did. He, I think he did the Garden uh, MSG and and uh maybe an occasional appearance elsewhere, a big show. But yeah. He was not a traveling manager like the other, guy, like obviously other guys.
2: Now,
3: their guy, E. S. O. Did you uh did you see anybody at the old T V tapings? You oh, absolutely,
0: I, absolutely. I got to see. Well, you guys didn't get to see Lou Albano. I got to see Lou Albano pretty frequently because he lived in uh, in Highland, New York, which is right across the, the bridge from uh, from yeah. Poughkeepsie, New York. Where yeah, you know, that was one of the one of the home taping grounds. Um, I, I've seen. I, I pretty much, uh, everybody from the early eighties, uh, up until about 87, 88, when they stopped doing the TV tapings there. But no, I, I got to see the debut of Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. I, I've seen probably the brain Heenan, Jimmy Hart, slick. Uh, yeah, the, the, ch- the chat is heating up with a lot of good
3: names and we're going to get, Oh yeah, I see that, that are out there. So, um, sticking yeah. with the evil trio. One thing I noticed growing up was, um, a couple of them at, at the time only really uh, outside of captain Lou Albano with the numerous tag team champions he seemed to have. Um, the first one I recall was Ivan Koloff with Bruno Sam uh, up with, um, yeah, captain Lou Albano. um, so these are some early pictures, obviously that was captain Lou's only world, uh, champion at the time, right? During, during yes. this era, he, he didn't That's manage correct. anybody else. He was like the, um, uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. He always fed back in the challengers. You know what I mean. All these guys—that's what they were there for.
0: So um, can I, can I ask, guys? Because you were, you were around. So Lou Albano, he really was only up in the up in the uh, Northeast territories. It looks like it doesn't look like he traveled around much.
2: No, yeah, he pretty used. much homesteaded. He, right. he, when I first started watching wrestling, he was still a he was an active wrestler. Tony uh, Altamore, uh, right? With, uh, uh, Tony uh, Altamore, uh, yeah. yeah, the, the uh, Sicilian,
4: right? Yeah.
2: And he wrestled. You know, he he, he was. I mean, he was not even a mid-carter. He was pretty much, you know, he was upper enhancement talent. Right. And, you know, Bruno was the one who said to him, you know, uh, it's like in the movie Caddyshack when uh, Ty Webb said to Al Servic, he goes, you're not good. You, you stink. You okay. know, Bruno said that in so many words. And he said, but you're a really good talker. How about I, I you know, talk to Vince Sr. or Vince about making you a manager? And, you know, obviously the rest is history.
4: Yeah.
3: yeah, One of the things, my early memories of Captain Lou Albano, and I, I talked about this when I became a wrestling fan. He was one of the guys that I first saw when I ran home and turned on wrestling. It was the Moondogs versus Tony Green and Rick Martel. And this Captain Lou Albano doing laps around the ring. Going. I'm like, who is this freak of nature with rubber bands in his yeah,
4: hanging out of his oh, cheek? I know, huh? And,
3: and put talk about the worst blade jobs. I mean, he didn't hide it. He just, you know, <laughs> give him a scalpel. He's cutting he's cutting open tonight. It's like yeah.
2: and, he, and he wasted a perfectly good meatball sub. But yeah. No, <laughs> I you remember that. That? He
3: slipped on it, yeah, with Morocco, you know. So the Captain
4: wore more more food than he ate sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> he's a little disheveled.
3: Hey, I got my education from Captain Lou Abano because I was in that. I, I searched high and low for that unborn virgin's goat milk and I, couldn't <laughs> find it. I could not find it anywhere. Um, that was crazy. Moving on with the Grand Wizard now, he did have a couple of champs, Stan Stasiak, yeah, and superstar Billy Graham. So he was, you know, he was lucky, fortunate enough to unseat. Uh, I would assume uh, what Bruno Sammartino here twice, right? Stan Stasiak. Stasiak yeah. beat Pedro. Oh, beat Pedro. That's right. And, yeah. And then, uh, uh superstar beat yeah. Bruno. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And of course, uh, good old Freddie Blassie. He had to wait a little while, but he did end up getting his, uh, champion in the Iron Sheik. When Ayatollah he was Blassie. Blassie. Blassie yeah. Ayatollah Blassie. Yeah. That was, I hated that. I hated that gimmick. I don't know why. I, I, I don't know. That was almost the beginning of the circus time for me with, uh, WWF pre-Mania and all that stuff. But to me, I think, uh, when you think of Freddie Blassie, how can you not think of Killer Khan? Yeah. He was always in there. The legendary Khan and Andre feud right here. Um, he was right in the middle of it. He attacked him on TV. I think that's the first time I shed a tear in wrestling is when they attacked uh, Andre the Giant when he was sitting at ringside.
4: I remember. Uh, during a, during yeah.
3: a TV show and all that stuff. And quick quick note there. Um, you know, we all know is Killer Khan is the one that broke Andre's ankle. But... You know, stories I've told that Andre actually broke his ankle getting out of bed, um, from what I heard, and that he had that operation done at Mass General. And yeah. the reason he had it at Mass yeah. General is because they were only— Beth Israel. Oh, Beth Israel. They were the yeah. only hospital in the—I don't know. Vince says New England. Now it's uh, the whole entire U.S. that was able to give him that amount of morphine or in um yeah
4: that story is they used him as kind of a test pilot wow. and they asked him how much vodka do you drink before you get drunk and right. he told him i drink a liter and i just start uh, one liter and i just start to get warm a little bit yeah. so they really yeah. based a whole anesthesia protocol yeah. on that on you know i think on alcohol consumption sure and one of the questions they ask people before they go under now is you know yeah how much do you drink? How often do you drink? How many glasses of wine? How many beers, that sort of thing too. And uh, so he really was the test pilot in many ways. And uh, yeah, it's a miracle. He came out of that. That was probably the most dangerous part of his surgery was that anesthesia. So yeah. Shout out to Boston, man
2: surgery was performed by missy beefcake that's (laughs) well kept secret i think i
3: went went to high school with her i don't know if you guys come on (laughs) come on come on (laughs) um just just to discuss that what's that oh yeah there you go um another one that was always around uh, we talked about Arnold Arnold scalen or however how you pronounce it you know know, baby
2: face manager i mean how many baby face managers were there
3: I saw him live. it was uh, mass Superstar versus uh, Bob backham one of one of Backlund's oh, yeah. last, last title defenses at the old Boston Garden um, and they brought a TV crew out there because they were starting to sell the fact that B- backland shoulders and all that were you know before the Iron Sheik and all that it was sell yeah. the injury angle and what they did was uh, the mass superstar actually gave the neck breaker to Arnold Sko and he got taken off in a in a uh, stretcher at the wow. old garden and the place was nuts. I've never seen that. I mean, not to, it's, it was insane how the garden crowd reacted when Arnold Skoland took that outside the ring and then he got carted off. I mean, the mass superstar needed a police escort just to leave the arena. So that was pretty tough. So you know, and that's
4: that's back then when actions like that meant something before it was oh, yeah. like every match, every show, twice yeah. a match. And yeah. on the topic of Skoland, yeah. who never interfered in matches, you know, yeah. rare did you see interference. The one time that I saw him interfere, I think Sergeant Slaughter gave him a cheap shot before the match or during the match, but uh, Slaughter had Backlund in the Cobra Clutch. Skolin grabbed the chair and Uh, whacked Slaughter. It was just the craziest thing ever, man. Yeah, Yeah. and got Backlund disqualified as a result, but you never, ever, ever saw that. that And again, chair shots were very dramatic back then. They really, really meant something, you know? (laughs)
3: Well, the, the biggest interference will probably be history is right there in the upper left corner yeah. when he threw the towel in on Bob Backlund um, yeah. with the Iron Sheik for him to be world man. champion. So that was a that was a big deal. I, You know, it was very rare that uh, to me, I never really saw a scaling or skull and want to pronounce it interfere yeah. in any types of matches. So, you know, because he was the proverbial baby face. So you know he always did right by the fans and all that stuff, but um,
2: I wonder how he did. got that gig because he really wasn't needed. I mean, why why did they put him in Bruno and Backlund's corner? I never could figure that out. Wasn't he more of a backstage guy with Vince?
3: Wasn't that he the was? Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, maybe that was part of his deal. You know, he could be on on air as you know Bruno's manager, Backlund's manager. But
3: so of course the eighties uh, are booming away right now, and then all of a sudden we get uh, this guy right here who had tremendous success in the AWA, Bobby oh, the brain yeah. <laughs> Wow. Uh, I'm sure that picture on the bottom looks familiar to you guys. Um,
4: As portrayed by Mike Monty, uh, the brain of, yeah, um, Monty and DeFera.
3: But uh, Bobby, it's he was, a, was a, actually a very talented wrestler who could take a bump. Um, watching some of the old matches, even in the AWA, he could fly around the ring, he could take a bump, he could sell it. Uh, whether it was the b- blonde hair flying around or whatever, but of course he was the you know Nick Bockwinkle was a great wrestler and a great talker. Really yeah. didn't need Bobby Heen, but you had two guys here that were like lightning in a bottle. Whenever you saw Nick Bockwinkle with the AWA title, you always saw Bobby Heenan right next to him. So um
0: Bruce, do you remember those days at all? No, not not that those early no. days. I didn't get to you know, my, my wrestling fandom started up in the. Uh, I remember a f- little bit of the early '80s, but really from about '85 on, where uh, the Rocket okay. Wrestling Connection. I was that that kid that they were they were gunning for. So you know, yeah. I saw Captain Lou as that as that cartoon character, and Bobby Heenan was a was a cartoon character, and so you kind of you know, saw Captain Lou when you became a good guy then. Yeah, I would yeah. have loved to have seen the heel days. Obviously, yeah. I've seen them in re- reruns and and read about them, but. You know, unfortunately, oh, I think, I I think, I think one them. of the
3: greatest chair shots ever is the one when he uh, hits uh, the Samoans over the head to get Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas a title.
4: Oh, he hit Afro with the wooden oh, chair. There were pieces yeah. of wood
3: in his hair. I just yeah. thought that was great. But uh, Another guy, uh, I'm, I'm just jumping around here, Sir Oliver Humpedink. This guy had it going on, uh, no doubt about it. Um, he had that stable with Kevin Sullivan back in the day, manager of Bam Bam Bigelow. Why don't you guys fill in the blanks on this guy if you know anything about him?
0: My, my only yeah. uh, dealings with him were back when he was in the world-class championship wrestling, yeah, just before he came over to do the WWF as uh, for to manage Bam Bam. Right, right. I remember
2: uh, Kevin Sullivan's whole deal in Florida, though, wasn't Yeah. It?
3: Yeah, yeah. What was that? What was that called? The Ministry of Darkness or something like that? Yeah, the, the
2: Army of Darkness. Yeah. And I do believe
3: uh, a very depressed superstar Billy Graham uh started the karate gimmick with that outfit too, uh down in Florida before he jumped back up to the WWE. That's one of the
2: greatest uh, to me. Like I mean, I love superstar Billy Graham. Yeah, and I did not like the karate gimmick, but When he got, uh, I guess Sullivan hit him in the eye with a spike, and then you know the next week Gordon Soly pans to this video of uh, superstar Billy Graham laying in the desert. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. If you haven't, you have to see it. And he, you know, he said, "I'm going to break the chains that bind me," and it was just so epic what a what, are, what a promo that was one of the first
3: then, one of the first wrestling magazines i bought had a bloody sir oliver humbug on the cover exactly i yeah. was like who is that guy i'm like yeah. why isn't he in the wwf he would be later on but like unbelievable something i think it was a
4: sports review wrestling magazine if yeah. i it might be that he was on the i remember all the bloody covers for some reason and my first magazine was a bloody cover by the way i guess they
2: were like crime scenes the, the magazines <laughs> It might,
4: as featured on True
2: Crime. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
3: Now, of course, uh, 1984 comes around and a guy by the name of Macho Man, Randy Savage, he's in the, he's on the lookout for a manager and all that stuff. And it was, I think it was July 30th, 1985 on Championship Wrestling. All of a sudden we get the debut of the lovely Miss Elizabeth. Uh, No doubt about it. She was, to me, the first female um, non-wrestler wrestling manager. Um, she never wrestled. I, I Does anybody know the background on her and how she even got started with with wrestling?
4: Well, she, she was, and Randy met, I guess, at a health club of all things. I think yeah, she, she was, was managing the health club. Okay.
0: What's that? She was a receptionist or something that he went by every day. Yeah, at the health and he club, said, well, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna marry her, and you know, he, he ended up doing it. But and how, how do you how do you
3: transcend it? that into being one of the gr- greatest managers of all time? I mean. I mean, she was responsible for Macho Man winning the world title, the Intercontinental title. She was probably the first female performer in the WWF that graced the cover of a magazine in a bathing suit, of all things.
4: Yeah. I mean, this
3: is unknown back then. This was very, uh, um, not like it is an Attitude error, but stuff like that, you never saw. You never saw it. All of a sudden, okay, who is this lady, you know? And we didn't know at the time that they were really married back then. Kayfabe was pretty... uh was happening was alive and well so we didn't know that
0: yeah so you know? this is what one remember of my first whole... wrestling memories was uh because this happened at the poughkeepsie civic center and yep. all the all of these all of these uh managers coming out and yes. uh then he all of a sudden he he, he brings out elizabeth and the, the crowd went absolutely bonkers and uh you know i'm not it's one of those things i was young i don't remember which parts were from what i watched on tv and which parts were from when i was there but That's it was wild. uh it was quite a, quite a crazy night. And then uh, a few weeks later, getting to watch it on TV was even cooler. Of course, one, no of the biggest,
3: one of the biggest feuds in the 80s, she was embroiled in the Mega
0: Powers. I mean, that was huge. Uh, so that it's was kind big of funny. She was never the mouthpiece for the people she managed. They were always the mouthpieces. Right, yeah. You she could was just there that.
2: looking good, which all yeah. she needed to do.
0: Yeah. And very rare did she
3: make an appearance like at the Garden Although I was there in February of 86 when she just happened to be with Macho Man that night. And so wasn't the Nesson cameras, the New England Sports Network cameras. The night he won the title of a Tito Santana. The, that inter- the
4: brass net. knuckles, the reaching, the brass knuckles. It and was
3: It, 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 it was, wasn't brass knuckles. You know? The cameraman picked it up. It yeah. looked like a taped, um, you know, the inside of a, a tape roll. The plastic dub. Yeah. Which yep. two, it was all taped up. It was very, um you could see it in the old videos. Sure. Like the cameraman picked it up and, and it caught Gorilla Monsoon off guard like, wait, there it is. That's what he's holding up. This is what he used. You know, uh, it was supposed to be brass knuckles, but it wasn't brass knuckles. It was like a, a tape holder or something with tape around it. So <laughs> it was, it was kind of neat. It was it was different. That's for a sure. But for an uh, object, though. Yeah. J- was
0: bringing up a great one. And that's uh, Percy Pringle into Paul Barrett. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Absolutely. back in those days, you know, you'd mentioned in Poughkeepsie with the TV taping,
3: you know, there was Mr. Fuji. He was in the ring Absolutely. waiting to see if he was going to be uh, selected as a manager for Miss Elizabeth. That was a big deal. His obviously greatest protege there was Magnificent Morocco and all those yep. Fuji Vice videos and all that stuff. Fuji General, remember that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember that. And then, of course, uh, who can remember? Yeah, Fuji Luscious right. Johnny V. And there he is. I went to high school with his wife, Brutus Beefcake. There, yeah, there's, mis- there's mis- Mr. On. Misty
4: Beefcake there. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um, one person that w- that, w- that was also in there was Jimmy Hart. He was in there as well. Oh, yeah. Very classic. successful with the Hart Foundation, of course, the Honky Tonk Man, and all that. But Slick wasn't around then. He came a little bit later. Um, right. Slick wasn't actually even in that ring. But um, you know, those were just some of the managers that you know that were out there. Thinking they were going to get the uh the dibs on Macho Man, but it turned out to be Miss Elizabeth. So that was kind of neat. That was a good little uh turn for us on TV on Saturday morning because we had no idea who was coming out. Um, I, I tell you, who was
2: a great, great manager, not in the WWF, WF, but very, very underrated was
3: Gary Hart.
4: Benny, oh, okay. I swear to God, I knew you were going to say that, and I don't know how, Gary but I, yep. Shit. There Gary just, Williams, Gary Hart, There amazing. were just so
3: many, though. It's like I, I could have spent all day just cutting and pasting and all that. Oh, yeah,
4: there's just so many.
3: You know, somebody there's in the chat mentioned Cindy Lauper. Promos. I mean, can we really count Cindy Lauper as the greatest manager, oh. even though it was pretty much a one-off with that one-year ah. contract and all? I mean, that's, I that's think- debatable in, in a <laughs> sense. do so you think? Isn't
0: that kind of debatable?
4: It is. It is. It is. I mean uh- –
0: he did manage a, manage a World's Champion, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He yeah. did,
4: and, and she, she was the impetus for the Rock and Wrestling Connection. So I think, you know, as was Captain Lou. So based on those two things, that gives them points right there, you know? Yeah. I mean, they they was, were the king and queen of the Rock and Wrestling Connection, no doubt I, about I, it. No doubt
3: about it, yeah. Her, Hulk Hogan, everybody. I get it, Captain Lou. But when you talk about greatest managers, these are people that transcended the sport. So in a sense, I guess you could say she transcended the sport because – you know, she was part of WrestleMania, the Rock and Wrestling Connection, the War to Settle the Score, yeah. Music time. videos, oh yeah, all that stuff. Another one that I came to mind that uh, I used to see in the magazines all the time before I got cable was this guy right here, J.J. Dillon. Oh yeah, big uh, guy. Great, uh, I mean, I used to see these guys wrestling Georgia Black Bart and Cowboy Ron Bass, and those guys yep. are pretty mid South area and all long that,
4: riders, think, yep, like the that. Long Riders, I think, was something like that. Long Riders,
3: yep. Um, but uh, obviously, JJ Dillon will be uh, synonymous with the Four Horsemen, the original Four Horsemen, at that. Um, so that's kind of neat. JJ was a Refugee. great talker. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's funny I, that he was a great talker for the Four Horsemen when none of them need to talking at all. Blanche Rhodes, everybody—they were all great on the mic. Flair. They, I mean, they—these guys were good. Even Barry Wendell was great on the mic.
2: That happens sometimes. I mean, how about you know with Billy Graham? Did he really need Grand Wizard to talk for him? Absolutely not.
3: No, no, no. no. It's. It, I think it was just more of a. um be, Well, think about it. If Superstar Billy Graham came out to the ring without nobody, he would have been cheered. It was the Grand Wizard who was yeah. the evil wizard. That, that I, yeah, that you, you know, as he, being a heel. That you so he had that. That. Yeah. Right. Okay, you're going to come out with me because we need you to be a bad guy and stay that way. But uh I
2: mean, there were. I mean, back in the day, I don't know if you guys remember Crusher Verdue.
3: Oh yeah. Yep. Uh,
2: I mean, the guy was. I mean, he had a phenomenal physique, but he had the personality of a brick. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Albano was his manager, and that—I mean—that worked. I mean, Albano did all the talking. You know, he got a—he got a main event with Bruno.
3: He probably got a great payoff, and, and then he went on his way. So we get some good, good comments yeah. going on. Obviously, Mr. She, she, yeah. Sherry Martel. I was—I was going to do. I was, was going to put her up there, but she was kind of late '80s, '90s. Uh, she her her big thing was taking those bumps with Shawn Michaels. That was always a cool thing. Yeah. Uh, then I could have thrown Sonny in there because she managed the Road Warriors as well, the Legion of Doom, as they're called then. Um, Eric Bischoff, same thing. I mean, General Andar and yeah, Skandar, Skandar Akbar, Akbar, devastation yeah, Incorporated. Devastation yeah, Incorporated. Was- awesome. He
4: was awesome. Synonymous
3: with uh, World Championship Wrestling from Texas. Oh yeah, Skandar
4: Akbar was a very strong guy, a power lifter too. Oh, he was you, no really? one to mess with either.
3: Oh wow, he was, he was, and he was a
4: very capable amateur wrestler. Skandar Akbar was a really a, a good athlete, believe it or yep. not. Yep.
3: And uh, somebody mentioned the Slickster Foxhole Willie. Yep, there's a Slickster again right there with uh, the Big Boss Man and Akeem, formerly the one-man gang. What did you guys think of that when the one-man gang turned into Akeem? <laughs> uh, that was funny. <laughs>
0: yeah,
3: Did you think it was funny? I just thought because I'm such a historian of it. I hate it when Vince started playing with these characters. Like uh, Big Boss Man was what, Bubba Rogers or something like that? Big, Big, Bubba. Bubba? Yeah. Big Bubba, right? It's like all of a sudden, these guys, like I'm reading them one week in the wrestling magazine as this character, and then they show up in, you know, in WWF or whatever. One Man Gang was a feared heel, and then you got
2: made into a cartoon character. Same thing with, you know, Boss Man.
3: It's crazy. It's crazy. Another mouthpiece that uh, I'm sure people love and hate right now in this industry is, of course, Jim Cornette. Um, Yeah. I mean, here's a guy that could talk, there's no doubt about it. My TV sets on Saturday night, Georgia Championship Wrestling, world-class wrestling. This guy, you knew when he was on the microphone. He had that voice where you just wanted to reach through that screen and like shut him up. And whenever he took the bump, it was the greatest uh, pop too. It was the greatest pop.
4: He had lots of heat, man. Lots of heat. He
3: did have lots of heat as well. Um, another guy that I threw in here because I think he transcended the sport as well, even though I lied about late eighties, but technically he did kind of help in the early late eighties, Percy Pringle, Paul Barra. Oh yeah. Um, he was famous even before Paul Bear. He was Percy Pringle back in the day. I think my first, uh, sight of him was uh, on world-class championship wrestling from Texas. Um, he was, he had some business going on there or something in the early eighties. Manage everyone from missing link to Rick
4: Rude. He had just, yeah. he had a, quite a collection of people. Yeah. So yeah. He, had- he, he had Rude in Florida. He had Rude in Texas as well. Um, yeah. and, uh, yeah, he, he had a really, uh, just, a, I think a memorable time. I think he scrapped also with, uh, the late Chris Swan Eric. Yeah. He was one of his first, uh, opponents too. And, uh. Yeah. Wasn't afraid to get in there and mix it up for sure. And uh, a great guy. He was a friend of Boston Wrestling back in the day. Back for several years, we had a toy drive that he kind of spearheaded, kind of orchestrated, and was named after him, the uh, Paul Bearer um, Toy Drive at Christmas. So a very good guy and and a great friend of my late friend, Dan Marotti. So love Paul Bearer. I got, sure. a couple,
3: I got a couple of local guys chiming in over on the Facebook side of things. Sean Wardlow is saying the House of Humperdinck in Central States was huge. Oh, yeah. I bet. Yeah. That, that is something that yeah. I, I, I feel I missed out on. I would have loved to see Central States wrestling. I always read about it in the magazines. Just never saw it. Yeah. Just never saw it, you know. A um, couple other ones here. Bulldog Bob Brown, The Interns, Omar Atlas, Haystacks Calhoun, uh, all wrestled at Centerville High at one point. Imagine that. Wow. <laughs> what? Go figure. I know Rufus R. Jones came to town. big guy. In Bruce's wheelhouse.
2: How about uh, Dr. Harvey
3: Whippleman? Oh,
2: wow. HBA
3: downtown Bruno. Yep, downtown Bruno. Where did he start out at?
2: I, well, he had a long run in Memphis. Memphis? So, yeah. Was it
3: Memphis? Okay.
2: I was, Bruno, yeah, downtown Bruno. Why do, yeah. I pi-
3: why do I picture him with ECW? That's so weird. He, he was later on. Oh, he was okay, okay. And speaking of ECW, I, I can't miss this guy, Paul Heyman, the man with the cell phone back in the 80s before <laughs> cell phones were even cell phones, huh? And there he is with the original bloodline on the bottom right there. That's a pretty uh
0: old photo. No, that's the a SWAT team,
3: yeah. Isn't that uh, isn't that uh, Rikishi? No, that's,
0: right? that's not Arthur and Seeker, no, 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 of course not.
3: And, like,
4: uh, you know, like Cornette, Heyman started as a photographer at Ringside, yeah, yeah, but he started yeah. up here yeah. in, in the Northeast, whereas Cornette was down in uh, in, ten, yeah. in yeah. Memphis and yeah. uh, down there. And, uh, and if you look, yeah.
3: real, look real closely, he's doing an interview with uh, Andy Kaufman in a bathroom stall with Freddie Blassie. Yep. Yeah. 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 And, the, and the reason being is Fred Blassie actually went to Bath because because he, he was kind of found out. He snuck into the garden back in the day. Um, he's in all the videos, especially when, uh, Pedro regains the, uh, intercontinental title from Morocco.
4: Yeah. He,
3: if you watch the video closely, he's the guy jumping in the middle of the ring in, in the middle of the, um, the TV uh, angle, yeah. the TV yeah. angle, he jumped. Cause he, he became a mark. He was cheering as opposed to taking photos next to after and all those guys. Um, but I think he was questioned or looked at at one point backstage and Vince said something like, who is this guy? Yeah. and Blassie actually came to his defense and says, oh, he's he's a dog. He's he's legit. He takes photos for the magazines.
4: Yeah. He endeared himself to, to the wizard yep. and to Blassie. Yeah, there's and there's a the picture time. of that around. Yeah. I
3: actually have that framed upstairs. I don't know why. See, there's just so many managers to go through. It's I like, know,
4: man. Yeah.
3: You would have to put a 20 minute reel together just on for everybody out there. Um, so I got I got a question for you guys, though. I mean, sure. obviously, we don't see
2: managers anymore. And do you think it's something that, if they brought it back, would enhance the current
3: product?
4: No doubt. No doubt. Yeah.
3: See, see it depends on what, um, what uh, wrestling outfit you're talking about. Now, today's WWE superstars, if you can't talk on the mic, you don't have a career. You know what I mean? These guys are actors. These guys are more entertainers now, as opposed to just being the good looks and the muscle. Like if you look around, like you take a guy like Otis, Otis can talk. There's no doubt about it. He's a big guy, but Otis would be that guy that would need a manager. You know what I mean? But he's not, he can talk. He's very well educated. He can talk.
0: I just. The, the problem is they're so worried about the production, the, the fireworks yeah. and all the other stuff and the, the entrance music and the entrance themes and all, all that stuff. If we brought in managers too, there'd be, there'd be no product left. It'd be all, uh, all, all the show to, before the show. You know, it's well, it's uh, kind of crazy. Uh, I, I watched what's the uh, well, oh, the wrestler. Uh, I can't remember his entrance takes over a minute to come in. Uh, shoot the dog on WWE, but it's like why? You know, we're wasting a minute plus of programming just bringing somebody in.
3: Well, that reminds me, of MVP with Bobby Lashley, MVP would get an intro, even though he was the manager, and then Bobby Lashley would get the intro. So yeah. it's like so there's two or three minutes right there, and then he has a squash match, and that's the end of it. And MVP still did the talking, even though Bobby Lashley is very capable of talking. There's no doubt about it. I just never and both
0: wrestlers or all two, all three, four wrestlers, everybody gets their own entrance too. Right. So yeah. it's not like uh you come back from you know commercial break, two people are already in the ring and you have one entrance music and they come in.
3: Yeah. See, I, I think it goes back to you know, the greatest manager managers became great because they were needed back in the day. You had those wrestlers who could not talk. You had those wrestlers who probably couldn't even wrestle and needed a manager to help you out in that situation. And then again, I think I think of the um, the modern day wrestling van, fan versus the the fan back in the fifties and sixties and seventies, where if you turn the TV on, you didn't know who was bad or good unless there was a manager there to tell you either either way. Yeah, that's what, the, you know what that's I mean? what defined you. Yeah, so I mean, like I said, Billy Graham is a great example. If he did not have a manager and he came on the scene like he did in '77 as superstar Billy Graham, the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, that's a catchphrase that would have been on every T-shirt. It would have been popular as hell. He probably would have been the the there probably be no Hulkamania because he'd probably still be champion. You know what I mean? This is what I'm talking about. But you put him with the Grand Wizard, boom, he's hated, or he's loved to be hated. It you know he, it it crosses those lines now. You know, so hey,
0: I, I have a question for you, Betty. Like you have a, a, somebody like a, a gorilla monsoon who even back then really wouldn't have needed a, a manager if they would have let him if they would have let him speak, because obviously the guy was so well spoken and I think he could have pulled off any type of character. Um you know, or, or like an Abdullah the butcher. If Abdullah would have spoken, I think uh you know, I, I don't think he would have been able to pull that, that madman from Sudan gimmick off for all those years, just the way he, he presents himself. He's a funny dude, he's a nice dude from Canada. Not on, yeah. you yeah, know. yeah. So you know, they, how do you feel about like you know those guys? They those guys could talk, but they they never they never really did when they were wrestling.
2: Yeah, yeah you, you got to pardon my my pup there in the background, but I mean, take a guy like George Steele. Now, with George Steele, first uh, you saw first saw him in the, the WWF. He actually cut a very eloquent promo, um, in, you know, very early on, and then he came back a year later, and he was a Neanderthal. And you know, no, no, meant, so, and no explanation of how he we went from a, a scholar to a Neanderthal. Just like there was no explanation of how Monsoon went from you know, speechless to now very fluent English. It just, you know, almost you like know? They insulted our intelligence.
4: Well, I think George Steele had that electroshock therapy then it turned him into an animal and then he had it again and it turned oh, him
2: that's back. Right. that was later on though. That was in the 80s.
4: <laughs> but he had it he had it again to turn him back though. Is is what okay, I'm saying I think, mean. you that's know.
3: T- that's Tuesday Night Titans era back then. That's that like is that. indeed, yep. I always wonder where those doctors got their licenses from. How I mean? now Brown Cow. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Another one that uh, I first saw on World Class Championship Wrestling from Texas was Baby Doll. And then of oh course, yeah, uh, NWA. Ronnie uh, and uh,
2: Farah's uh, guest on Thursday
3: night. Oh, there you go. And of course, um, she's been a what a day guest as well. Obviously, has great um, stories with Magnum T.A. and that feud with Tully Blanchard and all. You know, I think that was the first time I ever saw a woman um, kissed slash had her uh, dress ripped all in one scene. Um, if you remember that when uh, Tully Blanchard and Magnum T.A. were uh, having a face off and uh, magnum ta grabbed baby doll and kissed her and the and the announcer's going oh my god he's kissing her and she likes it and she likes it david and crockett then, and then <laughs> slaps magnum ta and the magnum ta rips her dress and i'm going oh my god they're showing this on tv like you know, nothing <laughs> compared to nowadays but when you're watching this at home on a saturday at night going this is great i can't believe this but uh
4: yeah. And, as, and as a young boy learning how to approach girls, I was taking studious notes. <laughs> <laughs> Must do this. Must do that. Do not anticipate, rip the dress. anticipate a do slap. Not,
3: do not rip the dress. That's <laughs> all you do. Yeah, Lou Cannon said Missy was a gem. Teddy Long, there's another one. Doom in the skyscrapers—that's a big peanut one. head,
4: as they used to call him back then when he was a, when he was yep. a heel. They called him. Yeah, I red. didn't
3: start getting into the managers slash valets because you got Missy Hyatt, you got Francine, you got Nicola. Uh, obviously, Baby Doll Sable was one. Um, who else Sunshine
4: and with Jimmy Garvin, Sunshine, Sunshine and Precious. Yeah, and
3: Precious, yeah. There were more valets. You know, they they yeah. weren't. Weren't managers,
4: but they interfered though. They did of interfere, they did.
3: of course. They did, they were part of the act, they, they yeah. Great TV time, and all of them, you know, it's unbelievable. Some of the stuff back then, I'm just going through the um, the stuff here. Let me see. Bobby Heen and Jimmy Hart were great, yep. Tony Schiavone was okay. I think they're just talking about Mike skills now. Um, because I don't remember Tony Schiavone ever managing right now, he was just in an hour, no, no. no. Who we got at but AEW? Part of the dynamic interview? was
2: the, the announcer interviewing the. Like, that's something you don't see now. I mean, they all come yeah. to the ring with a mic and they they just do their promo where back in the day. I mean, I remember Gordon Soley sitting at his desk with uh, Harley Race and they were like yeah. watching a videotape of a match. And yeah. nothing could be more real. I mean, oh, it, yeah. it, it's like they were breaking do down the, the seventh game of the World Series,
3: studying the opponent, getting ready, getting that upper edge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they
2: made it so realistic that you wanted to wherever they wrestled next. You wanted to go there.
3: See, but when you're watching videotape back then, that is like um, streaming to us nowadays. Back then, that was like unheard of, you know, watching a video. Where do you get a video? Who taped the match? First of all, where'd the video come from? You know, things like that. that. That to me was like, wow, that's pretty cool. That's like state of the art stuff there.
2: No, you,
4: yeah, you, I like the know, old company, Omni too. Where they would, where they, they do the old like reel-to-reel tapes and then, then play yeah. it. Gordon and play it on a Saturday night. Oh, yeah. And sometimes it was taken by a fan. He, I remember him actually uh, thanking a fan on the air for yeah. recording. It, you know, very well could not have been a fan; it could have been someone else. But just Gordon thanking the fan for doing this because it wasn't really regular practice back then.
3: You know, it's funny the champions now back then. Obviously, Backlund, uh, Graham, Bruno it was always a face really for the most part that held the title. So it was these, you know, the wizard, Albano, um, um, wizard Albano in Blassie that would always funnel the challenges to backland and all that. But I was shocked that you know, the tag team titles more or less were held by a lot of ruthless bad guys ob- managed by captain Lou. I mean, what is, what is he over like 20 something tag teams now that he managed to tag team gold? I mean, he holds
4: the record, whatever that yeah. that final number is. I
3: stopped at 17. Yeah. I was yeah. like um you know, I think one of his final ones was um uh Windham and Rotunda leading multi. you know, it was, it was WrestleMania 2 they won the titles because
0: they yeah, lost yeah, to the Bird-
3: WrestleMania or whatever.
0: Yeah, the Bulldogs I think was his last
3: one. The Bulldogs, that's what it was. Ozzy Osborne WrestleMania 2, that's right. Yep. So like, why why did they give Captain Lou all the tag titles? You know what I mean. Like, why couldn't they give some to Grand Wizard or Freddie Blassie and people like that?
2: It, it was funny though because, like you said, the WWF from for a twenty year period from '63 to '83, you oh. basically had three champions. You had Bruno, you had Pedro, and you had Backlund. You had and you, know, you had Ivan, you had Stasiak, and you had. Uh, um, and,
4: yeah
2: and and superstar superstar was the only one that had it for more than a couple of weeks but yeah. then the tag teams they alternated between heel and baby face and then but the NWA they alternated their their main title now, it would Jay, be on a show, but then it'll be on a harley race
3: yeah Jay will got a go one the rock with the nation of domination wasn't he more or less in the background during the nation of Dom- domination it was more Simmons was out on
0: the front
3: and yeah Ron uh, and, Simmons. i mean you talk about somebody who should have been in the front the rock and he's you know we didn't know of course what he was going to be to this day but um looking back on it going boy man they could have really capitalized with the rock being you know the okay. head of that but that's how you got to start really when you think about it
4: yeah well he he started to get more and more mic time too see how, you know he kind of unofficially rose to that position you know i know Farouk was often out front and, and rightly so, but uh, yep. I, I think rock was on the rise there. And I think that's part of the reason why he really took it to the next level, you know, yeah, because of that faction, because of his involvement and because he became more prominent there. Yeah.
3: All right. Who's Maria Antoinette Davis. She was really good. <laughs> Who is that? Maria Davis is saying that. Is she talking about herself? <laughs> I don't know. That's
4: a good question. You know, that was Maria's middle name.
3: Maria Antoinette Davis. She was really good. Wow. Okay. We'll we're we're have to Google that. <laughs> no, wait. Don't we can't. This is a family oriented show. So, um, Missy. Yeah. Missy Hyatt. Yep. She was a gem. I'm just going through the uh, Sable with Mark Merrow. Now, again, that's valet. Really? I mean, could you really constitute that as a manager, so to speak? No, not
4: well, really.
0: She was never no. a mouthpiece.
4: It's a case where the manager kind of eclipses the talent in terms of uh, shine and popularity, you know?
3: You can't say mouthpiece when you're referencing Sable. Come on, will you? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Um, Gorilla Monsoon, he never managed, right? He was just more of an announcer backstage role. Right. Um, just going through the chats here. Uh, Bo James, a.k.a. Jimmy Garvin. The Garvin brothers, Ron and Terry, yuck. <laughs> <It's> Jay j <Will. laughs> Yep. one name we
2: haven't mentioned though was Paul Jones, who right, oh, primarily yeah, I, I had, managed in the Mid Atlantic. The you know the Paul Jones Army. Yeah, there's a picture of Paul Jones right yeah. there. Number yep.
4: one, Paul Jones.
2: Yeah, Baron von Raschke. Him. They, they feuded with Jimmy Valiant for years in in, in the Carolinas.
3: Yeah, just, um a lot of out of that. Who do we have in the AWA besides Bobby Heenan that managed? Did we have any other managers in the AWA at the time? Sherry
4: Martel managed Buddy Rose and Doug Summers to a couple of tag nope, teams. That was later,
3: not early though, right? This was later on though.
4: That that was in the mid 80s, Mid-80s, like 86 yeah. or so.
3: Yeah, because I think I remember seeing them on ESPN when they got that cable deal.
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: Day, so yeah. Um, I only knew of Sherry Martel when she beat Fabulous Moolah for the title. And then for some reason, she went into the managerial ranks after that, but could take a bump. I saw her in a steel cage match. Her and Shawn Michaels versus the Ultimate Warrior. Saturday afternoon, I took my son to a steel cage match at the Old Garden. A matinee. Before they tore it down, too. It was like 91 or 92, before it became the Fleet Center. Yeah. um, Nobody there. I would say not even the bottom floor was crowded. That was it. So you didn't sit
4: behind a beam or anything?
3: Nope. I didn't have to sit in the stadium seats. Nope. And um, Sherry took a huge bump off the top of the cage courtesy of the ultimate warrior and i was like oh my god like you can already tell that the attitude era was 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 forming then uh when women like that were taking some serious bumps at house shows yeah we, we're talking house shows now we're not talking like on tv and all that stuff this is a steel cage match um with uh ultimate warrior and of course um rick Mar- um, i'm sorry Shawn michaels and she got in the she got in after the match and something was going on at the top of the cage and they just pushed her right up. I was like, "Wow."
4: Well, Bobby Heenan used to always say that Sherry could take half the guys anyway. I bet you she could take Sean back then. Yeah, <laughs> Fabulous.
0: Yeah, Joel's got another good one here. He's got a Diamond Dallas Page, you know. Yeah, started off as the manager.
3: Diamond yeah, he a late, yeah, he was a late he was a right? 35 uh, DDP started? He was late. Yes. Yeah, wrestling yeah. At 30, 36. Yeah. Now uh, we would
2: be journalistically irresponsible if we did not throw out the name of John Tolos, yeah. Mike Monty's favorite wrestler. The coach. The coach. Yeah. The coach. yeah. The coach. There
0: the are wrestler. no bonus points for John Tolos references. Oh. How about
3: the coach? <laughs> not until Thursday, right?
2: I'm still yeah. smart for my seven-point penalty for disrespect. <laughs>
4: <laughs> hey i got to eat my salad early I'm fine
3: ah <laughs> <laughs> let's try to find a picture of john Tolo. see if I could find one
2: gotta find a coach picture yeah with a whistle
3: yeah a whistle? Dun, dun, dun. there we go we got
2: that with bowen Blake
3: bowen Blake let me see here there's a whole bunch of them so, so he had a whistle, a he, whistle?
0: Said? he said here's a, a championship more into the into the foreground now what's that? You gotta bring your championship more into the foreground so uh you can show it off to these guys. Oh, yeah, the right here. Oh,
3: yeah. Let me let me pull I'll throw out here. a
4: name that's pretty elusive, Ooh. Benny. You might get Saul Weingaroff. Yes, he managed a team. The Von Yes, he did. There he also is. managed a young Samoan team on Look champ. at the title.
3: There you go. The thirty champ right there. I love it, man. There you go. That's
4: that's a sweet strap, Joe.
3: I got a whole bunch of them. I got that's a whole a
4: bunch. Sweet strap. You can mail it to me. I'll tell you.
3: There you go. Yeah, but I... Paul
4: Weingaroff was a was a manager of some of some uh, some repute for a long time.
2: Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, same with J.C. Dikes with the yep, Inferno.
4: Infernos. In fact, yeah, they had a little rivalry thing going too and i think saul's son george wrestled he was legally blind which is crazy oh, wow. yeah, but he wrestled in the popos icw with lanny and randy and, yeah.
3: and the crew down there yeah
2: i'd much rather be legally drunk
3: i mean because <laughs> there you go. if it's legal
2: what's the problem
3: right? john, john told was called the golden greek right yes, yes the golden Greek.
2: <laughs> yeah babe ruth in the chat before Arian, or, or as ernie Ladd would call him spurious arius
3: Getting <laughs> back to wild red berry, did he let his hair grow out later on in life? Like didn't he have crazy eyebrows or something like that? Not that I know. Oh of. no, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Wild Bull Curry. That's oh yeah, did. Wild Bull yeah. Curry. Wild yeah. Bull Curry, what a yeah. legend he was. Yeah. He's the that That's the guy who scared me in wrestling magazines when I saw him like this guy's out to lunch, man. Jeez. And Benny,
4: you guys know his grand is it his grandson you guys know pretty well?
2: We had uh yeah, the the rocket Fred Curry was on yeah. the show. Place, yeah,
4: what a good dude he he really is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good I interview. To
2: that, uh, that that restaurant he has in Rhode Island it looks really really. Good. I want
4: to get down too. Yeah.
2: Maybe we'll all get the uh, the Monte and the Faro and Dan and Benny discount.
4: The Dan <laughs> and Benny discount. I can't
2: even really compass a meal. I just, I want a lobster roll. That's all. I'll I wear want. my t
4: shirt just to see. I won't say anything. I'll just wear a t shirt. We'll you know, it's funny right.
3: when I was doing my research for uh, Luscious Johnny V. Yeah. I didn't realize his real name was John Sullivan.
4: <laughs> like the fighter, yeah. So awesome. how's this? How's this now, Joe? JJ Dylan's real name is Jim Morrison.
3: Oh jeez. <laughs> oh my god. That's a
2: trip, man. A little bit yeah. older than the the, the the rock star, right? I think JJ is about eighty now. Oh yeah, 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 JJ's up there, but JJ JJ's
4: looked the same for 50, 60 years.
2: Like <laughs> glassy, like you know Yeah. Like, Yep. His high school picture looked like somebody from the the you know the senior home. Yeah.
4: <laughs> well, and back then people looked older when they were younger too, which is crazy. How
2: did that work? I, I, say, I don't
0: know. Because superstar Billy Graham was like eighty-five when I was twelve.
3: Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he was road weary by then. I mean, he he went into a deep depression after he lost the title of Backlund and all that. I mean, I, that, I his say autobiography that. says it all. Yep. And
4: I think he was rumored to be dead on like three different occasions too. Yep. Yeah. So, that'll age. Yeah. It.
2: Right. The job he did as champion, I I really think he should have. He was he deserved an extended run. I really, if, I really believe that. Yeah,
4: if he had it in him, though, Benny, that's just it. You know, yeah. stars like him shine very bright. They burn bright, but you know they they I, can I burn out. So I I,
3: I wonder
2: six months so out of it at least.
4: And oh yeah, job. I thought he's deserving for
3: sure. Right. So, no doubt about it. I mean, but when he came to the with the karate gimmick and all that stuff, you could just see the wear and tear in his body. And then he went into all those surgeries. They, they You know, he incorporated those real surgeries into storylines. And it was the years of steroid use and uh, the hep C and all that stuff that he had just really did a number on him. Yeah. And you could tell, but then all of a sudden he came back. He looked bigger than ever after all that. <laughs> like, he, so you got a second wind or something, but. Especially all those power yeah. driver music videos and all that stuff. That guy was just as big as Hogan, if not bigger. Doctor George one.
4: to the rescue.
3: Yeah, one of my
2: favorite storylines of all time revolves around managers, which was when Jimmy Snuka was on Rogers Corner, whatever they called it, and yeah. buddy, you know, Buddy Rogers oh, buddy, uncovered right. the fact that you know Jimmy, you have no money. Yeah, and you know, and Jimmy, buddy, would you be my manager? And I love
4: said, that, yeah. Benny.
2: Yeah, what that was one of the most to me emotional. I mean, I marked out for that big time.
3: Me
4: too, dude. you we're on the same wavelength.
1: And then when and then when they hugged,
3: he squished the microphone that was on Rogers' lapel. I'm like, oh, (laughs) they didn't script this. This is real. This is really happening. Because normally they would just put the mic over him. Yeah. was wearing the mic or had that we was holding and, the mic or whatever when did that happen 81 82 ish no that's no. Pro- no
4: i think that was either late 82 or early 83, 83. Okay. And it was the first time that i heard Snooka speak ever because he was quiet yeah, he, would, he either didn't either say either. A, peep, a word for
3: very soft spoken uh,
2: too i it mean was the yeah
3: spring, it was a spring of 83 because i went to the october 83 cage match with him in morocco
4: all right, uh, yeah, which was so classic. That
2: well, up. he got he got pile driven by
3: his first feud was
2: as a babyface, Ray Stevens. Uh, Stevens, Stevens. Yeah, yep,
3: yeah. but he also had a nice little match with uh Captain Lou at the garden first.
2: And oh, he God got it. his that payback, was, and
3: that's what oh, guard that, that was. That was the first time I seen a guy put razor blades on his fingernails. He grew up on it. i, was, I yeah. Yeah. doing that, and scheme, I'm going, man. Holy Jesus, this guy's out of his. But mind. Yeah, who's the way I
2: think he, either he or Bruno was the worst blader of all time. Bruno was a horrible blader.
3: Well, Bruno wasn't used to blading either. That's the problem, you know?
2: I mean, he did blade plenty of times, but he was not very good at it.
3: But you yeah. know the thing is about Bruno? was that? He would bleed ragu. Yeah, but uh, boom. <laughs> That's awful. He's there. Well,
2: well,
3: uh, Doc Journey was mentioned as well.
2: She was very attractive.
3: Yep. Uh, genius Lanny Poffo. That's right. He got his start as... Uh, well, he was actually already wrestling, right? He came in and became the genius. Then he started managing later on, right? The Beverly Brothers, the
4: Beverly Brothers, yeah. Beverly Brothers, yep. But before that, Mister Perfect, um, uh, who managed whom? Did Perfect manage Lanny, or Lanny manage Perfect, or were they just a team? I forget. I, that, but- I don't know.
3: Mister Perfect is for me is always Bobby Heenan, but yeah, I just was shocked that kurt henning would leave the wwf and become awa world champion and then come back as mr perfect i'm like you talk about a transformation of a wrestler (laughs) yeah so well this has been a good hour guys what do you think been an Uh, hour already jeez any any final thoughts on this we had a good list we had a good chat everything was going good it it brought back
2: a lot of good memories Yep. a lot of good know,
3: stuff here. A lot of good stuff, you know? I mean, I mean,
2: how, you know, watching on Saturday morning without Lou Albano or, you know, the, the Wizard or Blassie or any of those guys, I mean, right. how much more did they add to it?
3: They added a lot.
4: Everything. They added a, lot. They added a Everything.
3: lot. I was just, like I said at the beginning of the program, I was just bummed that they never frequented the, Boston, the old Boston Garden like the town. Yeah. It just wasn't the same when the bad guys were, like, I remember when George Steele would come out like at least somebody like Blassie would try and control him. When George Steele went loose at the Garden, he went. How did he find he- his way to the ring? Oh, uh, I don't know. He would, he'd go in the crowd. It was crazy, huh. absolutely crazy. Same thing with uh, the Samoans. They had to be guided to the ring by Lualaba. But all of a sudden, the Boston Garden, they're able to walk out to the ring, no problem. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> so, nah, those are the good days. Those are the good days. They really were. I mean, how
2: how real it was to us, and how we couldn't wait to go to shows. And I mean. I used to go to the Nassau Coliseum and yeah. I'd buy my ticket for the next month at intermission. Like you can't oh, yeah. do that. now. I mean, I, if I go to Emily arena, I mean, if yeah. I had gone to the, uh, the trot for uh Royal rumble, I mean, they won't be there for probably at least a year.
3: Phil, here's a story. I used to during halftime or intermission, they would tell you the matches for the following month. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Tickets, tickets will go on sale that Monday at hub ticket. Remember hub ticket. Yep. Right in the corner of Chinatown, Neilan street, all right there. I was on a train after school that Monday going to buy my tickets for the following That's Monday.
4: hardcore, man. That's
3: hard. And I would get that guy, I'd make him pull out the seating chart, which yep. was very rare back then because they didn't yep. have that. And I'd be like, I want to sit right here. And I want this seat, Loge two, Loge one, all that. And you had to get there earlier or else it would have been sold. And yeah. I always got those, I always got those seats forever. I was Loge one or two. He'd see me coming every month. Oh yeah, they're here.
4: So. The live experience was so exciting, man. Oh, yeah. It was it was magical, you know? From the it end really was.
2: Music. I mean, you just had – you heard the hum of the
3: crowd, and you knew somebody was coming. You yeah. Know, you had no, no pyro, no Remember the old, the old ramps going up at the old garden, field Remember that? They yeah. The ramp. It was insane. You, it, it was like the longest walk getting to, the, to your chair, to your seat, but yet, when you were leaving, you just went right down and out. It was like, oh, my God, that was quick.
4: <laughs> it makes sense, too. They want to build up everything, get oh, yeah. you in there, get you excited. Then when it's done, all right, get out.
3: Yeah, get out. Open the floodgates. That's it.
2: <laughs> you know, but in summary, I want I, my opinion is the managers were just as instrumental, if not more, in selling tickets than the wrestlers. Oh, want. yeah,
3: definitely. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it.
4: Yeah, the Wizard's still one of my favorites. He's been gone for 40 years or so, but He's really still has absolutely. left quite an impression, do, yeah. you know?
3: I think he was, never got,
2: uh, never took a bump. In, I don't remember him taking no. a bump. During, he did he ever? Nope.
3: If he, if
4: he did, he would get brushed up accidentally, inadvertently, and that would be a big deal then, too, because you'd right. want his turban to fly off or something, you know? You'd want was- those... Sunglasses was, to go flying. That
3: was the first real ten bell salute I saw on TV. When yeah, right Wizard and Sergeant Slaughter I think was in the ring too, and I'm like, well, what happens to him now? Yeah, like, you know, it's like crazy, crazy times. Bill, did you Three ever bells. see him? I never did
2: uh, see him as Abdullah Farouk managing the Sheikh. I've, I've I've never seen that. I, I would love to see if his character was any different.
4: It exists out there. I think he wore more of a fez rather than a fez. turban. You know,
3: yeah, actually, he um. Let me see. I think the picture I have of him with, um, Billy like Grandpa. Fred Flintstone, the the Water Buffaloes, maybe or exactly, yeah, <laughs> uh, right there on the right. He kind of had that turban on the right. Yeah,
4: he did. In fact, right. he even had yeah, he had more of a squared one too back in yep. the day too. But you know, the mystique. I mean, I didn't see a picture of him without his gimmick on until like oh, yeah. five years gone. ago or so. Yep,
3: yep. And and pretty and, uh, amazing. But I do recall the Sheik and Bruno had a huge cage match at the Garden. I think he was there for that was I he think there's old photos of that somewhere online because um, that's me that's what I do on Saturday nights now as I go I go trolling and I look for this stuff and you'd be amazed at some of the stuff that's online now. it's me, like our I, mean, fans. I mean you're Are a me. fan. I love yeah, it that's it. that's it. All right guys that's gonna do it for us for wrestling remembered big week coming up right I get to defend the title this Thursday on the 30. you can catch that on the Monty and the Faro YouTube channel. I want to thank everybody in the chat. A lot yes, of people tuning you, in today. Uh, chat was very active. Thank you, thank you, everybody. E forty, and of course, um, what do you got? You got true crime this week, Benny, or what do you got? You, you uh, want to do well, it? I'm working on the script for the next episode, and I,
2: I wanted to invite you guys again because you were so great with yeah. one. Yeah, super fun, I was, man. I love it. it. Yeah, doctor uh, Sam Shepard.
4: That the, sounds wicked good,
2: doctor who uh, became a wrestler. And who invented the mandible claw way before Mick Foley did.
3: How cool. I know, huh? Yeah. In, in referee of the, the 30 ESO, you're going to be wearing that shirt
0: Thursday night or what? Absolutely, absolutely. I'll be ready to, to help you guys out. And uh, Joe, if the Venmo comes again, you can you can hold on to that title.
3: That Dan 10% surcharge kills me every time, man. Come on. I, I think, Bruce, you
2: need to like announce like, personal foul, seven <laughs> points, the player. For disrespect, you know, just like you have to announce the the, the penalty.
0: No, I agree. I agree. We got to. You know, we've got a lot of stuff, uh, you know, coming up the line. You know, sound effects, a new set. Some it's a little more interactive. So we got some. How about
3: instead of a standing eight count, you get like a you minus eight seconds off each person's time. That's it. Nope, oh, you're out of time. I had ten seconds. What are you talking
0: about? <laughs> Better watch out. Phil will come up with something like a pre- uh, presidential referendum for the night, or something like that. And, uh, you know what you do? Order, right?
4: Hide the clock on hide the clock, and then penalize them if they go over the time. How's that? <laughs> if they get on your bad side, there you go. Hide that clock.
3: All right, guys, until next week. Um, I'll see you guys on Thursday. If anything pressing happens before then, uh, we'll probably pop on at some point. See on Wednesday left, in what night. I want to do in Centerville, Wednesday nights, seven o'clock central, eight o'clock your time. I don't know if you guys are up that late, but uh <laughs> I, I, str- I, yeah, I, I, I struggle to I struggle to stay up a little later. Yeah.
2: They, they give me my warm milk at the home at like six fifteen. So
3: oh, that's good. That's good. After bunker, Matlock, right?
4: I'll uh and my tapioca I'll be tuning there in. There you go.
3: Just don't take your meds the night before. You'll be all set. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for being on. We'll see you guys next week. And thank everybody for tuning in to Wrestling Remembered. God bless you, guys. What a day, Lowry. Until next time, we'll see you guys later.
4: Peace. Peace. Peace.